Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Before we hop into today's episode, I wanted to pop in and say today is the Simplify My Biz Day. If you are looking to uncover where you might be overcomplicating things in your business and to figure out where to put your focus next, and you are listening to this this morning, the morning of March 28th before 3 p.m. Eastern, then you need to head to themompreneurguide.com slash simplify so that you can snag your seat to this event. Whether you can make it live or I know it's a little last minute for you, you need to catch the replay as long as you get your email in there in time or shoot me an email if it's slightly thereafter, I can get you guys that replay and make sure you can hear all of the goodness from this event. I cannot wait to be there with you live, catch you on the replay, but be able to provide some coaching for you guys to make your business simpler. So make sure you head to themompreneurguide.com slash simplify the second you hear this, or shoot me an email at megan at themompreneurguide.com so that I can get you that replay if you're listening to it within the week that this has aired. Now let's hop into today's episode. Hello, my lovely mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast. Today, I have a new friend with me. Serena Shoup is a mom of three, running not just one, but two virtual accounting businesses from home. She is an expert at helping course creators and online business owners understand their numbers, debrief their launches and monthly revenue for more impact, and make sure they are audit-proof when it comes to their financials. In addition to helping mompreneurs like us with the nitty-gritty accounting details in our businesses, she also mentors fellow accountants on how to run their own accounting practices, which I love because not only does Serena have the accounting expertise to help us, but she's also able to relate to us and what we do in our businesses on a deeper level because she's coaching and helping women too. Serena and her team believe that when women understand their numbers, they can grow them and therefore have a massive impact, which is beautiful, right? That's all of our goal. And that's why I'm so excited that she'll be sharing how mompreneurs like us can up-level our businesses by becoming financially savvy online business owners. Before we get into our joint love of profit first, managing cash between launches, and which records we need to really start paying attention to. I first wanted to thank you, Serena, so much for being here and would love for you to share your journey into mompreneurship. Can you tell us how you got started in this field and then bring us up to speed on where you are today? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. That was a beautiful intro, by the way. (laughs) Yay! So thank you. And so my journey into mompreneurship was a little bit accidental. I came from the corporate world. I used to be a controller for a biotech company and I decided to have more kids. I had had a daughter right out of high school. So I'm a young mom and she was with me my whole journey through college and graduation and studying for my CPA exam and all that. And then when I got that job in corporate, that's where I met my current partner. And we decided to start adding to the family, if you will. And I knew I wanted to be able to be a stay-at-home mom this time around since I couldn't last time as a single mother. So that was my plan to kind of retire, so to speak, from corporate and become a stay-at-home mom raising my new babies. And when my second daughter, after I left corporate to stay home with her, when she was about a year old, 
I found out I was pregnant with <laughs> another one and I had already started kind of getting my license reactivated and starting to kind of dabble in freelance bookkeeping and accounting. And it was really just because I was like, okay, I kind of need my own goals mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of the monotony of new motherhood. My whole life, I had been so career driven. And even though I was also a mom, I also worked. And so it was a huge shift to be staying home while I appreciated it. I also wanted to be able to have my own spending money without feeling weird about asking. So that kind of plays into the whole, our money stories, which I started learning really a lot about too. So I I started dabbling in bookkeeping and helping entrepreneurs with their finances. And I have a very (laughs) ambitious personality Mm -hmm. and I'm always driving toward a goal. And so that was where it really played into, I wanted to have something outside of motherhood that was like all mine of my expertise that I had worked so hard to, to get and to get to a point in my career. I didn't want to completely lose that, but I knew I didn't ever want to go back to corporate because I still wanted the flexibility of being able to be at every potential soccer game or for our family, we're hockey people. So my kids will be playing ice hockey and roller hockey. And my oldest daughter, she used to do ballet. So I wanted to be able to take time off and, and really be there for those things. And I was able to incorporate, but it was always like really uncomfortable to have to ask (laughs) to take time off. And so I'd always try to make up for it by like logging in at night when I got home and things like that, which is funny because you know, now everything is so intertwined with motherhood. So it's like, I still never really get a break from work, but it's different because it's my thing, right? It's my dream. I'm not building someone else's here. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I fell into it. Like I said, I got a little more ambitious and was like, well, this is really fun helping entrepreneurs. And I have a lot to offer because of my corporate experience. And I also somehow fell into this online course world. And then I started learning about list building and I was in a lot of these Facebook groups for bookkeepers and accountants. And I kept seeing the same questions over and over and over from newbies, like not necessarily brand new people. Some of them were brand new to bookkeeping, but some of them were like me experienced, but knew they wanted to serve small businesses and get out of corporate, but they were stuck in like we don't learn sales skills in our accounting degrees. Right. <laughs> we don't learn about all the ways that businesses need to be run, all the technology and stuff. And I had already figured out a lot of that by building my little virtual bookkeeping business. And so I was helping a lot in these Facebook groups, just providing value and answering these questions. And I just kind of started cataloging mentally some of the questions. And then literally I started cataloging them and writing them down and using them to build out a PDF to help people. Right. And that's how I started my mentoring and coaching side of the business. While this whole time I've also been building my own bookkeeping business. So that's my story. (laughs) I I love it. I love how you mentioned first and foremost, the mom and the entrepreneurship. I always say this, like they're always combined. That's why it's a mompreneurship. It's not really separate because they always flow into each other in in a good way. Like hopefully we have our boundaries to help us keep certain things separated. But at the end of the day, we are mompreneurs (laughs) and they match. I love hearing about how you accidentally got into this space and what an amazing model you are for your daughter and your other kids, your other daughter, your son. Like she grew up in this life with you and seeing you go after your dreams. And 
I'm sure that has influenced her so much. And I'm sure your other kids as well. I know they're a little younger, so they're probably seeing it from afar. But I just think first and foremost, that's amazing. And I think it's so relatable how you said that you are career driven. You are ambitious. You literally gave me the chills when you said I have this expertise that I worked hard to get. And I do want to be around for my kids, but I am also an individual. And I think that's something we here in my community all agree with. We want to be present and productive. Like we're an individual and we have things that we want to accomplish and we have goals and we have a mission in life that we want to do. But I mean, we do want to be around for the kids. Like you said, the hockey moments, um, the ballet moments, like whatever it is, the little moments, just laughing on the couch. And I loved how you said that you didn't want to ask to do things anymore. Like you wanted that freedom and that's the beauty of this space. And so I know this conversation is going to be even more amazing than it already is just because you've got that insight on both ends. This expertise that we as mompreneurs might not know a lot about or might not be as financially aware as we should be. But then on the other side, you know what we're going through, through your mentorship and the other side of your business. So I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing for helping us mompreneurs know our numbers and be more financially savvy. So moving into what you're doing today. I know the first thing we talked about is product first. Now, I have mm-hmm. read the book by Mike Michalowicz. I will put it in the show notes for anybody who hasn't checked it out yet. I have all of my bank accounts. I am not always the best at following the rules. What do we <laughs> need to know about profit first and why is that concept even so important that we should talk about it? Yeah, so... I first learned about Profit First at the very beginning of my virtual bookkeeping business. I found a client on Upwork that was actually a Profit First coach. And she was like, you have to read this book, but I I just want to make sure I have my chart of accounts set up correctly in my bookkeeping software. So can you look it over? So she was one of my very first Profit First client. And that's where I was like, okay, I'll check this book out. And so I read it. And this is where it's like, I'm going to break some perceptions of people in accounting. So you probably don't realize it, but most accountants are probably not actually great at managing their own money. Like we know what should be done, but there's a lot of emotion. And I kind of alluded to this before (laughs) about my money stories because I didn't want to ask for extra spending money. We are really bad. And so I realized after I read that book, I was like, This is great for those of us with a lot of emotion around money with a scarcity mindset or even an overspend mindset. It helps with everybody because the system is built for your behaviors. I mean, I know what's supposed to happen with money, right? Because I do accounting. Like I know how to put it in all of its places and things like that, but that does not solve people's actual behaviors around money where profit first does. So there's a lot of accountants out there that have read profit first and they absolutely hate it, mm-hmm. or they've come across a client that practices profit first and they hate it because there's so many bank accounts to reconcile. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. However, if it's done correctly, if you are following the process and you've set things up in a clean way, like naming accounts correctly mm-hmm. in your software and in your bank account. So thing, it's easy to match things up. It's really not that bad. And I think the benefits completely outweigh the annoyances because of the behavior aspect. There's so many small business owners that get shiny object syndrome. It's like, oh, there's this new software. I'm just going to drop some money on that. Oh, there's this 
coach that has really great marketing. And so I'm like shooting myself in the foot, but seriously, I see it all the time with my clients. So we overspend on coaching and programs because the marketing is so awesome or you get FOMO because it's only open once a year. So I have to join it because everyone's joining it right now. So (laughs) things like that. Um, And that's where I actually help my clients a lot, not just with the profit first, but just the accountability. We meet every month and we'll go over their spending and their revenue and their margins and all that. Real quick, for for people who don't know about profit first, can you just tell them the breakdown of like what the concept is? Give them the cliff notes of like how it works, the the five different accounts and roughly the percentages and why it's important. And then I want to move into what we're talking about emotions here and why this is a helpful tool because... You're blowing my mind right now. So go ahead. Tell <laughs> tell us about Profit First. Awesome. Okay. So the premise of Profit First is to make sure that your business is profitable from the get-go. So the first thing you take is profit. And so profit is one of your bank accounts. So you have a profit account, you have an operating expense account, and I just shorten that and call it OPEX. There's an account for tax, which is also very important to save for an account for your income where all the money comes into, and then an account for owner's pay. So his recommendation is you always take profit off the top, put it in a different account, and then you run your business on what's left. So you take your profit and your owner's pay really is those are the two most important things because you want to make sure that the money you're making, you're actually able to pay yourself. And then what's left over you use for operating expenses and tax. But really what ends up happening is every payment that comes into your bank account, if you don't have a lot of activity, you you could do this every time you get a big payment. So say you're like a one-on-one coach and you only get paid by two clients twice a month. So Every time you get a payment from a client, say it's $1,000, you would divvy that up. If you're just starting out, I recommend just doing 1% to profit because it's an easy win. You don't notice 1%. (laughs) And then you would take another 10 to 15% to put towards taxes. So you always want to save that off the top too, like out of sight, out of mind. And then you divvy up your owner's pay. I like to suggest at least 50% for your owner's pay. But again, if you are already in your business and you've been spending and you don't really know what percentage allocations to use, I highly recommend just working with a profit first professional (laughs) and figuring that out before you just try to dive into the program and do the recommended percentages, because you're just going to get discouraged. It's kind of like when you bite off more than you can chew type of situation, or like you try to start a diet or an exercise program and you try to go straight into like working out five times a day for an hour long. And and if you haven't been active for the past year, it's going to work maybe for a week and then you're going to fall off the wagon and it's going to be so much harder to start. So it's better to start small. Right. So yeah, the overall recommended percentages, if you were at the end of your profit first journey and just maintaining Mm -hmm. it would be 30% operating expenses. So that's the target that you want to get to. Most people are probably not there right Mm now. Even I'm not business has seasons. There's seasons that we invest a lot back into our business and stuff. So we all have to constantly readjust, especially if you have a team, 30% might be a little harder to get to. So 30% for operating expenses, 50% for owner's pay, Mm -hmm. 
15% for taxes, and then 5% for profit. Those are your targets for most businesses under $500,000 in revenue. Mm-hmm. The percentages change once you hit different thresholds. Mm-hmm. So that's the target. Like I said, if you're brand new to profit first, I would not start off trying to take 5% profit and 50% owner's pay. You need to work with a bookkeeper or an accountant that can help you see where you currently stand before you start figuring out what percentages you can start taking and and divvying up. So that's what we do. We do like a snapshot based on your current numbers, which requires you to actually have a system of keeping your books so that we can run those numbers. So there's some steps that have to be in place before we can get there, but we'll take a look at what your trend has been for the past six to 12 months. And then we'll divvy it up that way. And then we'll just slowly adjust every quarter. So it's not as noticeable. And then by the end of like six quarters, so like a year and a half, we can have you to the target allocations. Awesome. Yeah. That's really great for everybody. No, I love how you said that we need to readjust and be slow and there's seasons. I love that it's not a uh, hard and fast, which can be challenging. Yeah. And so now this brings up a question because you mentioned a little bit about the emotions around money. And you've mentioned a little bit about money mindset and scarcity and how you've had some run-ins with it, or you're aware of those concepts. And so I am in the middle of reading some books now all about money mindset. And they're very different than like the profit first that I read, you know, it's these two ends Mm -hmm. of the spectrum. So tell me, where do you fall? And where do you see the, the concept of money mindset and abundance and how sometimes we need to spend or get the coach because it's that transformation, that payment of money versus being more strict. And like you were saying, how you're coaching people through, no, you can't spend on that. That's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your mindset. Like if we think of a scale, which end are you on? Like all the way money mindset, all the way hardcore accounting, profit first, this is our account. Do you fall somewhere in the middle? And tell us your thoughts on hearing, because I think we hear a lot of this in the space. We know the basics, the old school accounting stuff, and then we hear all the new abundance money mindset stuff. And so tell us what we should know about that in this space. That's such a great question. So I would say that I'm probably somewhere in the middle and it really depends on the client and the situation and the data that we already have based on how I recommend people proceeding and their personalities. So there's some clients that need me to hold them accountable. They want to achieve those profit first allocations. They want to pay down their debt but they need the accountability. So for them, I'm going to be a little more strict. And then there's the clients that they have a really good system going. They're adjusting their profit allocations every quarter. They're doing really good with saving just because they know that somebody's looking at their numbers Mm -hmm. and it's potentially there to hold them accountable. It really just depends on the client. But for me personally, as a personal journey (laughs) (laughs) is I would say I fall somewhere in the middle and I feel like I always have an abundance mindset. And that's where a lot of my spending habits come from is because I'm always like, well, I have the money now I'm going to invest in this now and I will find a way to fix it later or make the money later. I know the next client is around the corner. That's not an issue for me. So it's a good quality to have that abundance mindset because it has attracted in a lot of really good clients, Mm -hmm. but there's also times like right now I'm on the side of the spectrum, I guess, of keeping my own stuff in check because I'm building a team. And so now I'm like, now I'm responsible for other people's salaries. Mm -hmm. And so that helps 
hold me accountable to not invest in another coaching program because I have all the strategies. I just need the time to implement them. And so the way that I'm getting that time to implement them is hiring a team. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, my personal journey really is, I I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. I've never really had too much of a scarcity mindset. Like I know that the next opportunity is around the corner. I know I'm going to make this money back type of situation, but because of that, and I don't know what books you're reading mm-hmm. or not, but one of my favorite money mindset people to follow is Denise Duffield Thomas. She's one of my um, favorites. I've read all of her yeah. books. I'm reading Amanda Francis right now. Are you familiar? Okay. I have okay, not. I'll read. put the link in the show notes. That's I'm, yes. I'm reading that one right now and I've been sending it to everybody. I think it's really good, but I do love Denise's way of talking through things. And I almost feel like Amanda, she just has different analogies or different ways to think about stuff mm-hmm. that I haven't heard before. So it's been helpful to kind of take yeah. it a step further. It is really good to get lots of different perspectives on that kind of stuff. Cause some things will resonate with you and some, you won't really be able to wrap your head around it until someone does bring that different analogy. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the things that Denise talks about is having a normal, like a threshold of stuff. So for me, it was, I've always had this like debt threshold that I'm just comfortable with having. Mm-hmm. And (laughs) that stems from back at the beginning of college, really, like as a single mother, I had to float stuff on my credit card to get through college, to make ends meet. I always had a, I always, it's always been like this $10,000 number. I had a $10,000 car loan. I had a $10,000 credit card bill because of attorney's fees and things like that. So that's my normal. And that's something that I've almost always carried with me from college that I've had to do a lot of work on. And the other normal that can happen or a threshold is on your income limit. So a lot of people will bump up against, if you've left corporate, one of your thresholds might be that salary that you left corporate at, right? So for me, I left at $110,000. So I'm highly aware of that could be my other threshold. Yeah. You're like minute you're <laughs> Time will tell. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I love I love how um, you're saying that because how I got to that train of thought was when you said that profit first helps with behavior because it's giving you accountability. Mm-hmm. What I've been learning in in this money mindset journey is all about it's the feeling. Like the abundance comes from when you feel and you believe and you can envision it and all of that stuff. But I come from a upper middle class family where we had money but we still had to budget. And so There are, yes, money mindset blocks around that and how you spend your money and how you think of your money. But I think it's so interesting how you're saying profit first can help us. And maybe it brings us back a little bit more to the middle of the spectrum or feeling okay to go to the far end of the spectrum because you still have that accountability and you've got. Yeah. And you have those guardrails around yourself. Exactly. So for me, it's like my profit. So for instance, if you are a listener and you do have that debt that you're working to pay off you're not going to be able to pay that off unless your business is profitable. So that's step one is making sure you have a profit where profit first can really help you with that. And it is going to seem like almost pointless when you're only putting 1% extra to that credit card, but it does like that snowball effect. And then once your revenue increases, that 1% also increases. So it's not always going to be that $10 or whatever it ends up being, right? If your business is continuing to grow, that profit will continue to grow, but that profit account is what you're going to use to pay down your debt. So if you have debt, you have to be profitable. Otherwise you're just going to continue to rack up debt. (laughs) So that would be step one. 
And if you're unsure if you're profitable or not, again, work with a bookkeeper Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then start working towards at least if you open no other accounts, open a tax account and a profit account. Because even if you feel like you're not making any money, you're probably still going to need something for tax. So just do 10 to 15% of your revenue, put it in a tax account and don't touch mm-hmm. it. If at the end of the year you oversaved, then you can use that lump sum to pay down your debt. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love your analogy there of the guardrails. Like profit first is the guardrails for us to help us keep on the path that we want to be. So talk to us then, it seems to me that the next thing to optimize and to know would then be what are those other records, the other data we need to look at to help us make decisions, like decide where the path is going, what part of the road we're going on. Can you share with us at a high level, tell us what we need to know about reports that we might be overlooking or maybe we're avoiding them? Yeah. So I've mentioned it a couple of times that like in order to do a snapshot or to see if you're profitable, you really do need to have a system of keeping your books. So all the data gets in, Mm -hmm. then you need to categorize it. Right. And a lot of people get hung up on like, what category do I put this in? Honestly, as long as it fits into a category that's on your tax return, Mm -hmm. you can break it out into more detail. It's what makes more sense to you. So It's not always meaningful to see all of your coaching and courses and software in one account. You would want to break up your software into one category and your coaching you might want to have as one line and courses in a different one to see where you're spending the most because sometimes they get melded together and that's okay if it helps you make decisions. But if you really need to look at where you're spending it might make sense to be a little more detailed so it's easier for you to identify the leaky holes in your right. in your spending right in your business mm-hmm. so that's the other thing that we will categorize separately for our clients instead of just having one category called sales mm-hmm. we'll break it up into the different streams of revenue that our clients have so a lot of our clients have one on one coaching revenue they have online courses revenue. Some of them do public speaking engagements and some of them have like little workshops that they do and digital products, right? So we break that out too, to see is your SLO actually liquidating? (laughs) (laughs) And there's a, a handful of our clients actually also sell a physical product. So that's broken out separately as well. So like a planner, or we have some clients that do some quilting stuff and they sell thread and fabric and patterns. So we break all that up so that we can actually help them see where their different revenue is coming from. Does it make sense to continue working? Because when we look at the numbers with them, I'll say, okay, here's your different revenue categories. Looks like your top revenue earner is your signature program. What are you doing to get all those sales? And if they're like, oh, it's on autopilot, it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, how can we turn up that dial and dedicate more time to the things that are easier rather than this $37 product that you're spending tons of time marketing, you're spending on ads, and it's not really doing much? Is it worth your time? So they can then look at the numbers that we provide and then make the decision like, how much time am I spending on marketing this this one little item, is it worth my energy? Not really. If it's like 10 hours a week and you're getting two sales, you know, but this other evergreen funnel is cranking and I don't have to do much work at all on it. So it's like, let's shift some energy around and focus on the things that will actually grow your revenue. 
I love that. And I love how complementary we are, how like synergistic we are between what you're saying there, using the data to tell us what is doing well and what we could probably drop. Because as you know, I'm all about how can we simplify our businesses? And one of the best indicators that I have found in helping people do that is looking at first and foremost, what do you want to do? What do you enjoy? But then the other side of that is like, what are the numbers saying? Let's turn the dial up on that instead of Mm -hmm. spending energy and time on something that isn't working. Because as mompreneurs, we know we've got to get in and out, make a high impact, and then we want to go be present. We want to use both sides, the present and productive. And so I love what you're saying there about when we can look at our reports at these snapshots and see the data coming in and how it's categorized and then compare those revenue streams, we can see what's working best and we can make better decisions so that we can be more financially savvy and making bigger strides in our business. I think that is so incredibly helpful. Last but not least, I do want to touch on, because I think this is so helpful and so interesting, managing cash between launches. So let's say that we see that the cash comes in very well from a program or, or a product or something that we've launched. We've got our guardrails up from the profit first. We're knowing where we need to turn up the dial. So what do we do kind of in those in-betweens? Are there peaks and valleys? Can we avoid it? I know Money Mindset talks about avoiding that a lot, but tell us what the numbers yeah. tell us too. Yeah. So typically a lot of our clients will launch, do a big launch like three or four times a year and have a huge influx of cash. And that's a lot of when we end up being engaged to work with them monthly because they're like, I don't really know when I should be launching again next? Like, should I actually try to launch three times a year or is this enough to carry us forward? We're just super anxious about it. So we're going to launch again and again and again because we don't like to see the money dwindle, right? So that's one of the things that we'll look at is we'll look at their past trends. So this is hard if you are brand new and you don't have any past trends, but if you have yeah. a year under your belt, things will typically carry a trend. So if you have launched and you did a six-figure launch last time, if you do everything the same, you're likely to have another six-figure launch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that would be a trend. So we can project that that's going to happen again, or we can work out a scenario where it's like, what if you didn't launch? How far would that six-figure launch carry you? So we then would look at the last year to see what your typical operating expenses are. If there's anything that you want to be spending on in the future, like you've had your eye on a certain coaching program that you know is going to take you to the next level and create a little budget of, okay, this is what the money that you're going to need for every month going forward. How long can it last? And then for some clients, we would set up a drip account. And so we would put basically all that money that came in from the launch into its own account and drip it out every month to cover the bills mm. so that you're only taking out enough to pay yourself and to cover your bills. And that does require a budget, right? Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying there about the drip account. I've never heard people talk about that. And I feel like this all pairs really well together because you're telling us we want to know when do we turn up the dial. And so you're helping people figure out, okay, we know there's a dial to turn. Here's how we can figure out how to maximize it, do it in the right way. And when it goes back to the money mindset and the emotions, I love how you're reminding us that trends typically are predicting the things that will continue to happen. I think sometimes we'd probably get in that scarcity mindset of, well, I just did this big launch and who knows if I'll get to do it again. But I love how right yeah. there you're saying that 
the data tells us that if you did it all things the same, it should happen again. And so it brings less doubt. So I love how we're balancing here, again, the emotions, the feeling with the science, the realness to it, what the numbers yeah. say, what the data says. So I'd love to pull this all together real quick, just so that we best understand how we can be financially savvy as online business owners. And then I'd love for us to hear how you can support people and we can hit the rapid fire questions real quick. So first and foremost, for being more financially savvy, we need to put up our guardrails by putting profit first in place. And in doing this, it's going to allow us to direct our behavior by having the accountability, knowing that we're having a profit, knowing that we're paying ourselves, which is so important, and then helping to guide our expenses and our tax based on what we're making now. But to do it, we're going to readjust and do it slowly instead of going all in at once like you would in the new year when you are trying to exercise again or work out again. And the beauty of that is that it's going to put you in the middle between the abundance and the profit first, the old school and new school ways of thinking, how can we mesh both of them to make us as profitable as possible? And the second way that we can do that is once we have our guardrails up, we use reports and snapshots of our business to look at the data, see how it's coming in, compare the revenue to see what's working best. So we actually know where to turn the dial up and where we can simplify things down. Once we've got our business kind of cleared from that clutter, then we can really focus on managing the cash and when to turn the dial up. And so we can do that by trusting in the trends and the projections and giving ourselves the grace of having less doubt because we know how the money is going to flow and work. And then we can have these drip accounts to set us up as additional guardrails in case we're still struggling on how to spend the money. So Serena, yeah. tell us if everybody's listening now and they're like, I need to learn more. What is the next best step that they could take with you to better understand how to infuse profit first, these guardrails and make more money in their business? Yeah. So we mainly help online course creators with their bookkeeping and all of our Bookkeeping services are monthly services and we do meet with our clients every month because I feel it's very important for everyone to understand their numbers. And it's just that additional set of accountability. And the best place to figure out if you want to work with us is to go to our website. It's called ofcoursebookkeeping.com. And there's lots of buttons on there that you can push to book a call. <laughs> I love it. All of that will be linked in the show notes too. So everybody yeah. can hop over there quickly. All right. Last but not least, let's hop through these rapid fire questions. First and foremost, right. what is your favorite strategy to help you be more present and productive besides what you've shared with us today? So my favorite strategy is I have like a weekly planning ritual. I sit down with my handy dandy passion planner. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I open up my Asana and I look to see what's coming due the next week or what things I have let carry over from the, the previous week. And I sit down every Sunday and I plan out my week and it just helps me not be blindsided by upcoming meetings. It helps me figure out exactly how much time I have available to work as a mother. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, that is my, my hack for productivity. I love that. And I love, I was going to ask you about when you do that. I love that you do it Sunday and it can help ward off the Monday scaries by uh, yeah. knowing what you've got going on in the week. I love it. Number two, what is the number one essential support you have that you can't live without? I would say right now our house cleaners. <laughs> yes. I come every other week. So two times a month and it's perfect. Yeah. Not having to do that work, taking that mental load off of you is so helpful. I know that for sure. All right. Tell me what's your go-to self-care activity when you have a little me time, inspire us with what you do with it. 
This one is really difficult when you have little ones. And I was looking at your question. I was like, I don't even know what it is, (laughs) but I would say when I do they're super tiny pockets of time. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I'm not a morning person really. And so I have not been getting up before the kids. And likely when I do, they wake up early too. So then everyone is like suffering for the day. So I don't do that kind of stuff. So I try to cherish the little tiny pockets of time. I'm a planner. So I love just like sitting down with my planner and looking at my goals, I love it. <laughs> but otherwise on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning, when we don't have anywhere to be, I love just sitting down with my coffee and the book that I'm reading. And it's usually a business book. <laughs> I was going to ask, I always ask, is it business? I'm like all business books all the time. I never read it Me too. or I rarely read fiction. So I love that we are similar there. Last but not least, tell me your most stereotypical mom your story. Think like kids running through a Zoom call with underwear on their heads. What is something hysterical that only us mompreneurs will be like, yep, we get it. We've been there. <laughs> so <laughs> this was another one that I was like, I can't think of anything. And just <laughs> when you were talking right now, it finally came to me. Yeah. So I guess it was maybe like a year or two ago when my son was kind of learning to be potty trained. Like he was really good about going number one in the potty, yeah. but he just really struggled with number two and he would literally go sit and hide in the corner and like poop in the corner of our house. But there was so many times where it was like, I'm on a zoom call either with my students or a client or in a coaching program that I'm in like a group coaching thing. And it would be like the kid off in the distance, like the other one that found it, like Kel pooped in the corner. (laughs) Always only when you're on the call, do you get the scream of there's poop over here? (laughs) Yeah. And the other one, I mean, still happens. It's like the, I pooped and peed from the bathroom. (laughs) so proud really you go baby that's awesome (laughs) i know i'm always doing those cheers but please learn how to wipe yourself yeah but please can you get it together yeah (laughs) oh i love it well serena this is so funny i'm so glad that we got to have this conversation especially as i've been reading these money mindset books it's great to hear both sides of the spectrum and see how we can combine all of this the the data the numbers with the you know abundance in the mindset i think this is so helpful everybody listening make sure to head to the show notes to see everything about serena and i so appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you too. And thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Ready to simplify your biz so you're more present and productive? Head to themompreneurguide.com slash simplify to join my next free live coaching event. See you next time.